Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to this bonus episode of the Higher Ed Geek Podcast, episode number 147 with Seanak Roy, uh, CEO and founder of Yellow Dig. Uh, really great conversation. Uh, always appreciate uh, chatting about social engagement for students. Uh, and this one kind of focused on uh, the online learning environment, which can certainly be uh, for our fully online hybrid or uh, in-person face-to-face students. So they're doing great work over there at Yellow Dig. Go check them out. Uh, connect with Seanak and uh, the resources that he mentioned in the show notes. Uh, we got a new uh, partner for the show, new sponsor, uh, and affiliate program through Kitcaster. So definitely go check out uh, what they have to offer uh, if you would want to be a guest on some awesome podcast to talk about whatever you'd like to talk about. So uh, you going through with that does uh, help out the show. Uh, So appreciate folks' support there. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, leave it there. We'll get to the episode. It is episode number 147, a bonus episode with Shanak Roy. All right, we are here to talk about a topic that uh, I'm definitely fascinated and excited to talk about uh, social engagements for students in online learning environments and uh, talk with somebody uh, from a company that I've been seeing more and more from, uh, Yellow Dig. So uh, we will start out as we always do. Uh, if you want to introduce yourself and give a brief overview of your professional background and how you got to be where you are today. So Dustin, uh, good to be here. Thanks for inviting me to this podcast. Um, you know, my professional background is, um, I would say, interesting because, you know, this is not a typical background that you will see uh, for edtech founders. Um, so what it means is that I, it's not that I came up uh, in a teaching background where kind of I cut my teeth in kind of teaching in the classroom, nor I am a, a student who kind of just graduated and kind of, you know, want to solve a problem that I, you know, am passionate about. My background is, um, you know, I spent about 15 years in the corporate world before jumping in and, uh, you know, decided to kind of found Yellow Day and solve the problem that we are following, uh, you know, solving. So when I, when I say corporate background, so out of that about eight or nine years in consulting, uh, where I was a strategy consulting, started my career back in India, uh, worked with a variety of Indian companies, then moved to the U.S. for my master's um, in engineering systems from MIT. Uh, so I did that and went back to consulting. I was in New York um, working with, uh, you know, companies, institutions uh, in the U.S. around the globe uh, for a bunch of years, um, then moved into the corporate world, uh, spent a bunch of years in various corporate roles and then decided to kind of, you know, dedicate my life uh, now uh, to solve a problem in education. Uh, so mostly higher education, but we do work with the 12 and corporate training as well. Yeah, I've just I've talked to a lot of people who are in ed tech, and I think just have a variety of backgrounds. And it, it, it's like, I don't know, like, I, I, there's just, there shouldn't be any sort of prohibitive uh, nature of just like, well, you've had to, like, you know, work at a campus or do different things to, you know, sort of get it, I guess, like, there's just these different insights that can be super valuable. So yeah, but I mean, uh, you know, the present day working, you know, you and your team, uh, Yellow Dig, you know, I'll, I'll let you explain a little bit about what you and your team do, uh, what the tool is and everything. So yeah, we just want to give that brief kind of primer and exploitation just so uh, everybody knows kind of what you all are up to. Yeah, no, how did you do that? Um, and, you know, just one last comment on my background is, you know, higher education is changing so rapidly right now. Um, you know, so the traditional ways of higher education, as we all know, is kind of not the same, like even in the last five years, I've been building Yellow Dig, I've seen so much change that's happening. 
so, you know, coming in as an outsider to a large extent, but when I say outsider, it's my background, which is outsider. We have people in our team who have spent their entire careers in higher education, who kind of, you know, really bring in that inside uh, perspective to various things we do. But, you know, I would say that the outside perspective or the outside in perspective is something that I kind of find quite useful sometimes when I'm kind of interacting with uh, our various stakeholders in higher education. Um, so you asked me, like, what do we do? Um, so, you know, we, you know, as you kind of mentioned, is we create engaging learning communities uh, for courses and programs. You know, we work with over, you know, what 130 universities in the U.S. mostly and some you know, outside the U.S. Uh, in various other parts of the world. And what we do is that we actually help our clients uh, build active, engaged learning communities for uh, their programs or whatever they're offering. It could be on-ground programs as well as online programs, or increasingly we are seeing hybrid programs which are adopting our technology. Um, so that's kind of what we do at a high level. Got it. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that I've, you know, given the, the past two years and everything, like just seen so much more uh, interest in or people are talking about, um, yeah, just the opportunities and tools and sort of methodologies for engaging students in online learning environments, which uh, I guess just for our conversation, I think can really be applicable to a student who is fully on ground, fully online or hybrid, you know, a lot of their learning and engagement uh, will still be taking place in an LMS, whether it's sort of that's exclusively kind of their exposure uh, to the institution, to fellow students, to faculty, staff, and things, or um, just sort of a digital re representation of it. But you still want that environment to feel, yeah, just engaging, and that it, it is maximizing the potential there for building community. So I think, just from your point of view, obviously you've committed to this work and really you know invested into it. What makes, from your point of view, social engagement and learning environments so important? Well, you know, if you think about the traditional classroom, you know, the traditional design of a classroom is you have the professor, teacher, you know, sage on the stage, who is essentially uh, interacting with their students uh, maybe once or twice a week. You know, it could be you know, in a physical classroom, it could be a, a Zoom classroom, depending on the modality of that course. Um, so the from a student engagement standpoint, you know, the only interaction students end up having is either they have some limited conversation within the constraint of that time of a synchronous class, or, you know, they might actually run to one of the fellow students in a study group or maybe a hallway conversation, or once in a while, maybe interact with the faculties, you know, there is a faculty office R. So the, 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 the challenge is that the engagement levels are quite low. Um, you know, so and traditionally education is not designed around engagement or what I would say, you know, connectivity with uh, the student to student or student to the instructor. And, you know, modern technologies like, you know, learning management system, but right? LMS is not a modern tech. It has been around for 10, 15 years at least, uh, or any other kind of Zoom or other tools that we use, you know, which is new, but those things have been around for a while has pretty much kind of replicated what I call is the, the the traditional higher education model. So it's almost like a bolt-on. So the professor, rather than kind of, you know, lecturing in the classroom, they will probably jump on a Zoom classroom and, you know, interact, or rather than kind of handing out assignments or whatever they are handing out to the students in a physical classroom, they might do it through a learning management system. Um, so what we realized is that, um, you know, with technology, we have this opportunity to kind of reimagine 
how interaction happens, uh, either you know, synchronous interaction in the classroom environment or asynchronous environment or asynchronous environment. So that's how, I mean, when we say social engagement and social learning, um, the, the way we think about it is that how do we get our students more engaged with one another, with the instructor, depending on what they are looking for in that learning environment. So, you know, and there are a variety of ways I can get into that, uh, that we, we make it happen. Uh, but broadly speaking, you know, it's kind of almost a reimagining interaction between a student and an instructor. Well, and I think, yeah, I'm curious in your perspective, just like kind of spending a little bit of time just on this question uh, a little bit deeper. And I'm curious your thoughts. It's almost kind of a leading question, I guess, but just because I think it's just conventional wisdom or has been, and it's certainly been chipped, chipped away a lot uh, these past two years, but like it sometimes is an afterthought around kind of in the digital environment or, you know, especially for fully online students that they don't want that. They don't want social engagement and you want to kind of just like, you know, kind of punch their card, like, you know, do the work and uh, be on their own. So I guess like, what are your points of view on that? The idea that like, you know, people think it's a presumption of like being in person is either like sort of like inherently social or, you know, uh, that's what students are looking for from that, like, and they aren't in the online environment. Um, so yeah, just kind of like curious in that, like, like dichotomy. Yeah. So I think, you know, in terms of learning, like you can think about, you know, like an adult learner, like who has already gone through the learning process, maybe quite self-motivated. And, and that person might can just pick up a piece of material, a book or whatnot, read themselves and learn from it, right? So a lot of that learning can be self-directed where the, the, the basic assumption is that the learner is motivated to kind of take care of their, you know, learning problems on their own. But the vast majority of education is not like that, which is in a vast majority of education where learners do want to interact with one another. I mean, this is how we learn. I mean, learning is fundamentally a human activity where, you know, just knowing something, uh, you know, kind of being able to solve a problem or having a hard skill, which you can do probably on your own, is one thing, but actually solving problems in the real world. I mean, it is not just a point solution. I mean, you need to be able to interact with people who have similar interests or experiences and kind of learn from each other as well as from your instructors. So I think the idea that, you know, learning can just happen on their own and students will come and interact when they need to is kind of almost making the assumption that, um, you know, you know, it doesn't really, you know, really improve your learning experience, which is not true. I mean, you know, based on what we've seen. So I, I think the real problem Dustin is the following, which is how do you really make that happen? I mean, you know, we all remember our best teachers. Like, I mean, we, you know, if I look back my own experiences, I mean, if I look, I did my undergrad in mechanical engineering and I've gone through many courses and programs. Um, and I, I remember my best teacher who were quite active. Like they were not just coming and lecturing and kind of hoping or assuming that we are learning, but they were actually interacting with us, you know, making those kind of connections happen either through a variety of kind of planned projects in the classroom. We know that, but we also know that that's very hard to do. So, which is why a very few faculties or teachers are able to do those, you know, engaged social learning environments in their courses. And we also know it's very hard to do, you know, make those form outside the learning environment because then, you know, it demands more time from the students and it may or may not be valuable. So I, I think the real question is, it is hard to do. How do we make it happen at scale, which is easier potentially using technology, 
and something the students will actually like doing or enjoying or they will get some value out of it. So that is a real problem here. Um, we know people like to connect. We know that, you know, which is why we have social media, which is there is this intrinsic motivation for people to connect with one another. We can always debate if those connections are real or not. I mean, the friends that you're making in Facebook may not be that authentic, but but if you can help them form authentic connections, especially when they're in a learning environment, I think it has a tremendous impact on all sorts of outcomes, like not only what they're learning in that subject matter, but they how they are progressing from one course to another, how they are retaining you know, across their learning journey so that they are not just dropping out or giving up. Um, uh, and even our data shows that we have done now over like 12 studies on this topic. And we find that um, every time the students are engaged with one another, all these metrics go up. Yeah. Well, and I think too, like whether it's online or in person, the idea of like social engagement, like, and I think there's just like, there's such an opportunity potential in the uh, online environment to yeah utilize tools to help facilitate it and structure it. Um, because yeah, whether it's in person or online, there's just... I think there could be this tendency to assume it will happen where it's just like, Hey, we have this class full of students. I'm sure they'll connect and socialize and all that. Like, what do I have to do? Or like, that's just like, I don't know. It's going to be very hard for every student to make those connections. So I think with the right platforms and tools in place that helps to uh, nurture those connections and facilitate them. And um, yeah, I mean, just the idea that all these students are going through the same experience together and, having that engagement take place in the LMS where they're spending time and uh, allow for them to connect with their classmates. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just, yeah. Maximizing that potential, not assuming it, it will happen and hoping and, you know, just sort of letting it be, it's, it's kind of taking that active role and structuring it to have some assuredness, you know, that it is uh, taking place and everything. So I think, yeah, I guess that's like kind of my take sometimes is it's like that and that way it's an afterthought where it's like, well, yeah, I know it's important, but I'm sure they're all like connecting with each other on their own, right? Like it's like, well, maybe, I don't know. That's right, that's right. And you know what, that, that we, we see that, you know, I mean, there are, you know, if you, if you look at how a lot of these programs are trying to engage with their students, I mean, you know, the two models that we see and, you know, unfortunately both of them don't work quite well. And one of the things that you just mentioned, which is, you know, if I build a forum and hope they will come, doesn't happen because, you know, there's no real incentive, right? The, you know, people behave based on incentives. And, you know, if, even if there is in a group of 50 you know, students are together on a forum and say, hey, just talk to one another, like, what do you want to talk to one another, right? I mean, you know, firstly, they don't know each other. Uh, they might feel it quite awkward to actually start asking questions to somebody they do not know. And it's if it's fully optional, like, why would I engage? It might, it might sound like, Maybe there is some value there. Maybe I want to connect with some people, but it just kind of, you know, the interaction might turn out to be quite awkward in the beginning and it might just never take off. I think, I think that's one problem we have seen in, in those kind of forums. The, the other problem we often see is when it's kind of completely driven by the instructor, which is the traditional discussion board model where um, the instructor is almost, you know, forcing the students to kind of, you know, you know, post once, comment twice or some sort of a, rubric or rule that they need to follow to have discussion with one another and, and, and the problem in that kind of model is even though you might get some responses from the students but they are not real discussions they are pretty much you know forced assignments uh, that they have to do by a certain time and, and we see that i mean that that, that kind of creates some posts and comments but that really doesn't drive any sort of authentic engagement 
uh, and you know, one last thing I'll say there is, if you want to get in, is I think that the solution we have always found is is around kind of designing systems which are behavior based, um, and and a lot of that, you know, behavior based design has actually been solved. I mean, there, there's a whole field around game design uh, that we follow in our platform to be able to drive those engagements. So, um, so you know. I think there are ways of doing that, but I think it is more than just kind of, you know, as you said, like creating an environment and hoping students will come and kind of engage with one another. Yeah, I mean, on the kind of gamification stuff, uh, I, I appreciate it just because, yeah, it's just such a fun way to uh, sort of motivate and incentivize uh, different things. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, we've talked about a little bit, I think sort of the um, kind of like inertia around this, you know, just in terms of, sort of the, the hope of social engagement happening just by the nature of students being in a class together and everything, but there's now, you know, other great tools and options and things out there uh, that can help nurture that and everything. But, and I'm sure, you know, you, you've encountered this a lot. Like, so I'm just curious your sort of two cents and point of view on, you know, the institutions and faculty, staff and folks like their lag in, using and integrating these new t uh, tools because obviously you know you just have to kind of shepherd change and you know build new habits and everything but i guess just thoughts on that because i think that's that's something that i've thought about a lot is i think there's like a lot of conversation about like you know any any tool doing anything where it's just like oh my gosh i mean look at all the possibilities and a lot of people will accept and acknowledge and agree but then when you actually kind of have the rubber meet in the road the idea of actually being like well how are we going to like implement this and like get people to you know actually put it in their courses or whatever um so yeah, I guess just any point of view on that, I'd be definitely curious to hear. Yeah, no, that's a great question, General Alaskan. I think, you know, the, the challenge is this. I mean, if you really think about the challenge of technology adoption by faculties, there are two big challenges that come to my mind. One is, if you think of faculty today, um, you know, most faculties are, you know, stressed out. I mean, that's the reality. I mean, there was, I, mean, I was just reading an article by the Chronicle of Higher Education, um, they posted this whole uh, survey, I believe, where a um, lot of faculties are getting disengaged, you know, especially during the pandemic and as they're getting out of the pandemic, because, you know, we are asking too much from faculties, right? I mean, in one hand, students are disengaging, they're not happy, there are plenty of statistics uh, or numbers around it. You know, they're not showing up in the classrooms and faculties have this you know, insurmountable job of engaging students where everything around them is changing. And we are relying on them to be able to do everything, right? So that creates this whole stressful situation for faculties where we go and say, okay, now adopt yet another tool and that's going to do these magical things. So it's, you know, by default, like, hey, I don't have the time for it. So why would I adopt technology where I'm already kind of have lit pretty much disengaged at this point? I mean, that's a huge problem now. The, the other problem is that, you know, for them to really use technology in the right way, uh, it cannot be a bolt-on strategy. So what I mean by that is, you know, like as a faculty, okay, I'm doing, you know, I'm lecturing in person, I'm going to do this lecture online, so let me use a video tool. I mean, that's one, okay, I, and I, I need discussions, so I add a tool. It rarely works. The reason it rarely works is because most technology if, if it has to drive the right outcome, it has to be part of the learning design in some sense. And that's that's kind of real training and hard work there. So um, hard, hard work meaning in terms of really thinking about the technology as part of the learning design. So I, I think the way we see it work the best is 
when we um, you know, essentially explain to faculties that this piece of technology is not going to leave more busy work for them, but actually going to solve some of their problems, like problems around actually having their students engaged, which pretty much every faculty wants that. I mean, I, I would yet to meet an educator who would say that, oh, my job is to just go and teach and I, I don't care about the students learning or not. I mean, I don't think anybody would agree to that. The question becomes how much work I'm going to put in. So if you can say that you you can put in far less amount of work, like in our in our user base, we see they're saving about two thirds of the time they spend in trying to engage students when they use our technology like us. Um, so being able to show that data and being able to explain that um, and getting their buy-in so that um, they allow us to design e-learning into the learning process so that it's no longer a bolt-on, but actually going to transform their teaching practices is when the results start showing up. And, and it's almost like a light bulb. Like once the results show up and once they see that, you know what, if I can make this change and this is going to be a much better world for me, you know, personally, as a much more fulfilled educator, as well as I'm going to have more time to do the things I love to do, that's when they really truly adopted technology. And, and, and that is that is hard to do. And and we are seeing more of that, too. I mean, I would say, Dustin, I mean, three, four years back, you know, pre-pandemic, you know, given some of these tools were not a must-have and people used to think like, okay, you know what, I can just get by with what I do today. I think there is enough frustration in the faculty base now, they're open to kind of really have that dialogue. Uh, and we are seeing that happen. I mean, in, in our client base, we are seeing a, a lot of progress in that direction right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm just grateful that there has been a little bit of a paradigm shift in acceptance of uh, the value of uh, you know social engagement and the learning environments and everything. So um, yeah, I mean, and it definitely makes a lot of sense what you're saying too, or like, I would imagine a scenario that may be common is that you know, you might have a faculty member or staff, whomever that just gets it. And if they can pilot it, you know, even just like in a course and then like, you kind of have a proof of concept uh, that can kind of go a long way with convincing because uh, yeah, the others would be that kind of inertia and skepticism and, you know, not, not really being sure of the reality of you know, what it would mean to implement something uh, new. And uh, yeah, I mean, just the idea of being able to have something that makes the students experience better and does not create like a huge amount of, uh, you know, additional work for a faculty member is, uh, uh, yeah, it's like, that, that, that's the goal. That is, that is what, you know, uh, tools like these, uh, do. So, uh, yeah, that, that's definitely like the, the target you have to aim for to get people to be like oh, okay okay all right like let's 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 do this yeah um, yeah 100 no, i think you mentioned pilots i think pilots are you know the one of the issues in you know this is something probably we have created you know as a sector overall as an edtech sector is uh, there is a significant amount of distrust um, between faculties and edtech companies sometimes institutions where it's almost like you know, that the companies are for profits and they're going to go after and just try to make money and they don't care about learning. Um, and, you know, as a faculty, my job is to protect that. Um, so I, I think that the, the reason it's probably there is because, you know, I'm sure there has been some practices that was followed in the past that didn't really write the right results and people may have felt hurt or brushed out in, a, in the wrong way. But that's not the case, though. I mean, now if you see, I mean, 
you know, I mean, I, I, you know, of course I'm biased about my company, but if I look at other companies in the space, there are a lot of innovation that's happening, which is actually driving real results for faculties in the classroom. So I think part of the solution here is to kind of rebuild that trust um, so that, you know, it's almost like, you know, kind of at the end of the day, we want to make sure that the students are, you know, coming in as they always want to in higher education and they are getting the right value so that they're getting paid or, you know, whatever tuition they're paying, they see that, okay, I'm actually getting a lot more value than just kind of a piece of content that I probably could have downloaded in YouTube or whatnot. So they don't get that feeling. Uh, it's a lot more engaging. They get more value. If you can create that experience, I mean, that has to be in a partnership mode because, you know, one school, one institution cannot create that. Um, so, so, you know, to your point, I think pilots to kind of really show the value to faculties and kind of being open to uh, being kind of, you know, studied probably by some sort of third parties uh, are important parts of, uh, you know, kind of getting these technologies out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, this work has come a long way, uh, but, you know, I think there's so much momentum now with just the adoption of, you know, uh, you know, more digital learning and hybrid learning and, you know, all these different things. And I think really investing in that experience for students. So from your point of view, you know, I'm sure you just do have a, you know, very unique, interesting vantage point. Uh, what are you looking forward to with your work here? Because I think, you know, certainly, yeah, you've learned a lot in terms of like, you know, uh, implementing and, you know, uh, managing change and everything. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's still, still a lot to come on the horizon. So uh yeah, what, what are you looking forward to? Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's a, it's a very interesting question. I mean, personally, of course, you know, I, I have my own desires, but you know, if I look at where we are, right, in this sector, like higher education or education overall, you know, my, my real hope is that, um, you, know, we, you know, we know that there is going to be digital transformation happening in higher education. So the reason we know that is because you know, the students are not the same students we had five years, 10 years back. You know, they have a lot of opportunities. They can go pretty much anywhere and or not even go to college and kind of study on their own because there are tools available now. We have this internet now where you can pretty much search anything in Google and learn about it. So, you know, defining the value of higher education um, in a way which is focused on the students um, and, and, and I think kind of really thinking about how we can use technology or edtech specifically to drive better learning. Um, you know, a lot of the times I hear when I hear about technology, it kind of gets clubbed into these buzzwords like online learning or hybrid learning as if like, oh, it's a new way of teaching. Um, at the end of the day, it's not. Like the whole world is online right now. Like think about COVID. Like we are pretty much online, 100%. There's nothing like online. I mean, you know, even if a student goes to a physical classroom, they're there for like five, 10% of their time, their entire lives are digital now. So there's nothing called online learning or hybrid learning, it's just learning. And the question becomes, how can we improve the overall learning experience so that students find it valuable so that they will actually say, you know what, I'm gonna spend the time to and the money to be in this program. And, and not and, and at the end of at the same time make the faculty experience better as well because you know I think that's going to be a big challenge if we if we don't really make some course correction here so that's what I I love a lot to see I mean I think it would be some sort of partnerships 
um, with, uh, with the right players. Like, for example, we work with you guys, I know, and we work with other schools and kind of really coming together and having these conversations in an open way and kind of really trying to understand each other's point of view and see if we can work together as opposed to kind of not trusting each other in some sense. I, I, and I, I don't see that, you know, that mistrust is there broadly, but, but you know, I, I think we need to address it in a much more focused way, saying how can we build more trust so that, you know, we, we can come together and solve these problems in a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a, a helpful reminder because it, it's definitely like a new thing for a lot of people of like teaching and learning uh, in an online environment. But that's like almost like I guess when you're saying that, it's almost like you would wish that like the words were flipped. That it's like learning that happens to take place in an online environment versus like online le- like that. It's like yeah, I don't know, some like radically different or you know uh, thing that it's like no, like learning is learning and you know. Uh, Ultimately, yeah, that, that there's more, I think, similar, whether it's, you know, in person or online than uh, different. And it's just kind of pivoting, uh, pivoting and, you know, different tools that you're using. Uh, but the same value set uh, is ultimately going to be uh, still important, uh, however that learning and teaching happens. So, um, yeah, no, that, that's, 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 a, that's a great way of saying that. It's, it's the same thing. I think, which is why I think there is a lot of even fear in a lot of faculties. Like I can imagine one thing, one thing I'll just end by is that, you know, we speak to so many professors, teachers, and they're teaching in a variety of contexts. And there's a lot of fear right now because, you know, people feel, I mean, we have this issue with a lot of them are not getting paid well. A lot of them are doing jobs that feel like busy work. You know, they, they got into teaching, but they're not really getting that fulfillment from it because of a variety of reasons, not in their control. And I think what we, if we can kind of say that, okay, at the end of the day, let us just focus on maximizing that learning outcome. Like, you know, if somebody decides to go to a school or a program and they decide to spend 10 hours, those 10 hours should be maximized Mm -hmm. using whatever tools are needed. Like, for example, it could be in person if that's possible and cost efficient, if not using the right online tools. But there's, that's what we want to maximize on. And I think everybody wins in that environment because, you know, the innovation happens and the, and the, and the faculty who have, you know, they, they just move from one way of teaching to another way and there's some learning involved and I'm sure all of us can move with that. So I, I think we just have to kind of frame the problem that way as opposed to kind of often the problem is framed as like, hey, what's your online enrollment? Are you growing? Are students coming? Because it almost feels like, you know, the, the focus is more on the, the aspects of learning, which are not that valuable. I mean, it's like, you know, but but not really focusing on the true learning experience, which is so much valuable now, and which is where a lot of the problems are, which is why students are getting disengaged right now. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a lots of the lofty goals you can say. I mean, we are just mm-hmm. one company. I mean, of course, you know, I cannot do it on my own for sure. Um, you know, I, I think it's a matter of having these conversations and getting the right folks at the table. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think it is like, I think of just sort of like, you know, modern higher ed and teaching and learning and all that. Like, it's just this like Voltron of like, you know, different pieces plugging into each other to create, you know, something that's, you know, greater than some of its parts or, you know, however you want to kind of say it. But, you know, it does take a lot of different uh, people and tools and um, things like that to create a really, you know, positive and effective and engaging uh, learning environment and everything. And that, um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm sort of biased, but yeah, like the uh, sometimes like, you know, 
overly emphasized uh, focus on, yeah, just like more and more and more students. It's like, sure, but like if you give them like a positive experience uh, in their learning environment, then you're uh, retaining them and likely getting like more positive word of mouth or just like, you know, uh, that sort of thing. So it's, you know, don't entirely do one too much at the cost of the other, certainly, but uh hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, <laughs> you know, actually a lot of the things that we are talking about here, Dustin, I feel is like almost like given in some other sectors, which is non-education sectors where like, you know, if you look at the consumer sector or e-commerce and elsewhere, like if you have a product that's not great, no amount of marketing is going to make it successful. Right. And even mm-hmm. if I go and get like 10 customers or hundred customers today, because I did really good marketing, it's just going to eventually fail if the product itself is not providing the right value for the customers. And higher education, of course, you know, there was this advantage that students will go there just for the name or the degree or they had no other option or there are some other things in place. So that is changing. I mean, now, if, if that is changing, I, I think just trying to do better marketing and trying to, you know, kind of get the students is, of course, that's important. Like any business, we do that too. But but at the end of the day, I think the real problem is the learning experience and kind of really having some investment and focus in that area is super important. I, I do believe that, though, it's not just important, but that's where the next level of competition is going to happen because, um, you know, people who are going to deliver better experiences are basically going to win because those students are going to be their champions. And if that doesn't happen, it's just going to naturally fail, maybe much faster than it had failed in the past. That's definitely kind of my uh, hot take as well. Isn't I think that that's going to be new kind of competitive edge is uh uh yeah investing more in the student experience and um you know retaining the students that you do have but um yeah so i mean as we uh, wind down we always like to give an opportunity if there are resources that you'd want to share resources of your own or uh any other things that are kind of catching your eye and grabbing your attention um stuff that we can put in the show notes um, you know, in terms of resources, and I, I, I've been having these conversations with very interesting people lately. So two kind of books that I recently read, I think I found quite valuable. One is by um, Joshua Kim and uh, Edward Maloney. Um, and they wrote a book called Learning Innovation and the Future of Higher Education. Uh, very interesting book. Um, I think it captures some of these ideas around um, you know, access and quality is the two big tenants and the quality part has been overlooked for a long time, honestly. And, uh, and that, that's becoming more important. So if you're interested to, you know, kind of see what other schools are doing, I, I found that book quite helpful. The other book I recently came across was uh, this book on active learning online uh, by Stephen Goslin. Um, and Stephen has been uh, kind of almost like a 30-year professional uh, in educator himself you know he's a well-known educator in active learning and I, I found that book pretty interesting because he goes pretty deep into how our mind work our brain work to kind of really figure out what kind of active learning techniques might work for our students so uh, and he actually touches on gameful learning approaches as well in his book so very interesting book so it's called active learning online by Stephen Gosling that's useful all right, very good stuff. Um, yeah, we'll link out to those uh, for folks to check out. Um, and then we will end as we always do. If you have a final thought or call to action on this topic uh, to wrap up the episode. Um, so, you know, firstly, thanks for the invitation. Um, I think my final thought is, you know, more conversation. I think 
what we really need to have is uh, folks who are working in the space in in a, in a different ways, and maybe the fringes, maybe the core. Uh, but I think we, we need to have more conversation around how we kind of innovate these, um, you know, this uh, next generation uh, learning design and kind of universities or programs that we are building, um, rather than just kind of following the old template, which we know, you know, doesn't quite work and, you know, spending money behind them may not be always the right solution. So, yeah, my call to action is um, let's have more conversation. And if you want to talk to me, um, you can find me in LinkedIn is probably the best way to find me. Uh, just go and search for my name. Shonak Roy, um, and I'm there. Message me. I'm happy to chat. Um, if you want to learn about the company that I run, Yellowdig, you can also find us in LinkedIn or go to yellowdig.com and reach out to us. Um, definitely would love to have a conversation. And, and we do have a limited number of free pilots that we do for uh, institutions if you do qualify. Um, so if you're interested in trying us out, without any cost, uh, would love to talk about that as well. And you can contact us through our website. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, we'll have ways, uh, yeah, absolutely. All the ways that you mentioned to uh, connect with you and your team there, Yellow Dig, uh, to keep the conversation going. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is really great stuff. I uh, love geeking out about uh, this topic and uh, so grateful to you uh, for taking some time out to uh, talk a little bit about it. So um, yeah, just thank you so much for, for all that you shared. Yeah, no, thanks. Um, enjoy the conversation, Dustin. Thanks for the invitation. And um, yeah, look, if you want to chat more, reach out to me. And uh, I don't know if you have used Yellow Dig or you have seen Yellow Dig. I mean, if you want to learn more about anything about us, uh, you know, definitely reach out. Love to talk more. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thanks again for listening. And we'll see you in the next episode of the Higher Ed Geek podcast.